following is a presentation of I never thought I'd be back, but here I am and I'm ready to get to work. Raider Nation, if that press conference didn't get you fucking hyped, then you probably had less than two exhausts on your wit. You had less than two exhaust pipes on your wit. That fucking press conference had me hyped as all fucking apples. And I love the Raiders. The brand is global. Everywhere I went as a Monday Night Football analyst, the Raider Nation would come out of the ground. I love the Raiders. Uh, So I can't wait to get started. And it's an emotional time for me, but I'll answer any questions I can. Thank you. Raider Nation, I'm going to be serious for two fucking seconds here. I could drop more bombs on that press conference than World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Middle Eastern War, Korean War, and whatever wars are going on right now. I could drop more bombs on that audio clip than you guys would want to hear. I just want to get real serious right now. That was a great day. John Gruden is back. Looks like we're back. If you're soft, get out. But this is an emergency podcast. I got the one and only Raiders reporter, James Arcelana from Cover 32. We're going to do an emergency recap. We should just get into it. Maybe drop another bomb. Uh, James, it's an honor to have the uh, premier Raiders reporter out there. What's up, man? Not much, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, how's uh, How's your boy Q? He's good, man. He is hyped as hell. <laughs> uh, what's your take of today's fucking extravaganza? Man, talk about a show. I mean, first of all, I've never seen a press conference like that. You would have swore John was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame the way they did it, man. It was incredible. It was fun to see all the all the Raiders legends there, all the media, the, the little video montage they had. It was a trip. And I'll tell you, man. I wasn't necessarily the most hyped person on this hire, but I am now. That was that. That was something to see. Did, where were you watching it on ESPN? I watched on the the Raiders uh, Raiders dot com. They had their their live feed from there, so that's where I watched it. it I only asked because uh, I was watching it on ESPN, and it looked like they were doing it from like a, a webcam camera. The, the quality was awful. I was like, what, what's going on here? Yeah, no, the, the Raiders website quality was actually really good. It was better than a lot of the quality they had for, like, their press conferences post-game. It was actually really good. I was surprised. Oh, uh, what did you think of the, the questions he had? There was a few that, you know, I picked up that, you know, sparked my interest. Did you think anybody hit him with any, like, curveballs? I don't know about curveballs. I think there were some some good quality questions that were a little bit tough. I think, you know, asking him how he was going to fix Derek Carr was an interesting one. Um, I thought asking him the question that's on a lot of people's minds about, you know, the time off missing from the game was going to impact him and whether or not he had kept up with the game was an interesting one. Uh, you know, obviously there are a couple of softballs that really didn't, <laughs> you know, tell you a whole lot as well. But um, overall, I think he, he handled himself very well. He answered law questions really well and he dodged the ones he didn't feel like answering. You know, there was uh, a lot of people think, what went wrong with the Raiders started with the Redskins and the whole kneeling down thing. Now, someone there today asked uh, uh, a two-part question, and the first one was to John. He go, They asked him, 
how would he handle players kneeling down? And then the second part of the question was to Mark, and it was totally unrelated. And John kind of just looked at Mark and let Mark (laughs) handle his question, and then they completely bypassed that whole kneeling down part. What do you think about that? I mean, like I said, I thought it was kind of brilliant on his part. He he didn't feel like answering the question, so he just, you know, he let Mark answer the unrelated question and pretended like the the question about the protest never happened. Um, at another point, they they asked him again about it, and he said, you know, he didn't know anything about the protest. He couldn't comment on it. He'd have to look into it. But you know, it was clear he he wasn't going to get into that kind of stuff, and and you know, he had no desire to go down that road, and he did a good job of sidestepping it. You know, you said you weren't the biggest fan at first. You know, why is that? Uh, You know, I think it's one of those things. It's not that I wasn't necessarily down on the idea. I just wasn't as high on it as some people were. A lot of people seem to think that Gruden is like the second coming or something. Like he's this amazing elite coach. But when you look back at his coaching record, he was good, but he wasn't great. It's not like we're talking about a guy who has a resume comparable to, to Bill Belichick or something. Um, he had some very good years in Oakland, had a few good years in Tampa Bay. But after that Super Bowl, things kind of went down for him, you know, and he got fired. You got A lot of people forget he got fired as head coach. And there's a reason, you know, he's only a barely above 500 coach in terms of his record. Um, some people have pointed out his, his uh, offense, you know, more years than not ranked 18th or worse in the league. And so I think he's a very, very good football mind. I think there are some issues he had particularly in developing young players in later years with, with Tampa Bay. Um, and so I think, number one, there's no question he's a better coach than Jack Del Rio. There's no question he's bringing in a better staff than Jack Del would have brought in. There's no question this is an upgrade for the Raiders. I'm just not necessarily buying in immediately that the return of John Gruden means the Raiders are automatically going to Super Bowl and are going to win all kinds of rings. Um, I'm excited and happy about it. I'm just not on cloud nine the way some people are like you is who's probably still running around like crazy chicken with his head cut off right now. <laughs> you know, um, you, you, the stats you mentioned, when you take a step back and you take off that Raiders cap and you just look at it as a operation standpoint and you say out of the league 10 plus years or whatever it may be, uh, you know, 500 record is contract and coaching history and all this power he's probably going to command. And then you probably say, Jesus, what are we doing? Yeah, you know, I mean, the the whole contract, I mean, that was really, really shocking and, and a real big deal. But at the same time, you know, it's not my money. And if Mark Davis wants to pay him that much and give him that much security, I'm not I'm not that concerned about it, to be honest. Like I said, I do think he's an upgrade over Del Rio. I think the only reason that the contract should be a little bit of a concern is is whether or not um, Mark Davis will be willing to eat another contract the way he's eating Jack Del Rio's if things go wrong. If John Gruden isn't able to live up to expectations, is Mark Davis going to do that again? Is he going to be willing to eat, what, like four or five years left in in, in Gruden's contract if things don't go well? Um, and so I think at the very least, you're gonna they're going to give John Gruden four to five years to, to win a championship. But at that point, if the Raiders aren't on the right track, if they're not playing well, you got to wonder whether or not Davis is going to be willing to eat that much. And so that would be the the, the one concern. Um, as far as him being off for this long, I, that doesn't concern me at all. Every report I've seen or heard is that the guy is just a maniac that still gets up at three in the morning, that still watches film all the time, that has been doing nothing but working on a playbook and a book and, and improving his offensive uh, theories and, and game plans for the past nine years. So, I mean, it really sounds like this is a guy who has been spent the last nine years 
you know, using his job on Monday Night Football to build a, a new playbook and get ready for this moment. So I think I don't think the game yeah, is I- passing by. You know, I don't think we have an art shell moment here. Um, but, you know, it's a big contract, and there's some reason to, to be worried a little bit about the length. Yeah, I think that was the most exciting thing he mentioned that, you know, this whole time uh, working with Monday Night Football, he's been going behind the scenes, seeing other personnel, seeing other facilities, you know, looking at other playbooks, talking to other coaches. And, you know, just knowing the guy, he probably definitely sponged that up, just like a maniac. Yeah, I mean, you get the feeling almost like he just used that broadcasting career specifically to prepare for this, right? Like he had – absolutely. Had, yeah, I mean, he had the quarterback camp so he can get to know every single quarterback coming into the league every year. So he had an idea of who the good young quarterbacks are. He he got to meet with almost every team in the NFL and, and sit with their best players and their coaches and go over their schemes and go over their playbooks. I mean, that's what you do in the prep for the Monday Night Football. I don't know if everyone realizes this, but the, the announcers actually do pre- meetings with these teams. They sit down and they talk to the quarterbacks. They talk to the the coordinators. They talk to the coaches and they get to know what's going to happen so that they can call the game well on Monday night. And so it's almost like Gruden used that, you know, not only as a job to make money at the time, but also almost like a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to say backhanded, but a little bit of a sly way to, to not only keep up with the trends in football, but also to really know every team around the league. You know, I wonder if he might know the, the rest of the team and the competition around the league better than any other head coach does. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't put it past the guy if that was the plan this whole time to just take 10 years of hardcore studying and building up of notes just to make revenge, you know, that much better. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, you know, again, it's clear he's got that work ethic, right? He's got – it's a lot of work to be a head coach in the NFL. It's It's a very, very demanding job. And I don't think there's any question that John Gruden has the drive that's going to take. He's willing to put in the hours. He already does it. He already gets up at 3 every morning and and reviews tape, even though he doesn't really have to. So, you know, I think that's another thing that that should be comforting for Raiders fans who may have been like me and maybe a little bit reserved about this. It's very clear that he still has that drive and he's going to put in the work needed. All right, so two more things before I let you go. Uh, they brought this up. It was almost one of the first questions. Uh, they looked at they, they looked at Gruden, and they said, this is a question for both John and Reggie. And they said, uh, how is the power structure going to work? And, you know, John quickly replied, uh, you know, we're both uh, Ron Wolf, Wolf puppies, so we came up in the same way. It's going to be a Raider way. We're going to work together. Do you think there's any – McKenzie, because uh, you know, I just saw the report. I think Rappaport tweeted it, where they have uh, they interviewed Elliot Wolf for a you know a personnel spot with the Raiders. You know, just taking another piece of McKenzie's power away. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I actually think that that um, bringing in Elliot Wolf will be good for McKenzie. You know, they had a good working relationship when they were in in Green Bay, and you know, John Gruden also has ties back to Green Bay. When he was there in Green Bay under Holmgren, uh, Reggie McKenzie and Elliot Wolf were both there as well. So these are guys who have already worked together before. They know each other well. And by all accounts, it appears as though Reggie McKenzie wants Elliot in. And so I think what you're looking at is getting a situation where, you know, the head coach and the JM already know each other. They have an established relationship. And then they're going to bring in a guy who's only going to make McKenzie's job easier. I know some are viewing it as, you know, a potential GM in the waiting, but I'm viewing it as a, a guy who is really going to make McKenzie's job even easier because he has a right-hand man that he knows he's worked with and he can trust. 
And so you're, you get a situation where it's almost built-in chemistry, right? It's a situation where everyone's already comfortable with each other. They've worked together before and they can hit the ground running. And I think, you know, if anything, that's going to be really good for this organization because there won't be those stutter steps. There won't be those moments of hesitation as they feel each other out and get to know each other. They can really hit the ground running and, and work together as a cohesive unit, which is what they preached at that press conference. Are you a McKenzie fan? I am a McKenzie fan. I think, you know, obviously he's had some some missteps in the draft. I think he's had some issues, particularly in the second round. He's done some reaching in the second round that probably hasn't turned out so well. Um, but in general, I think when you look at, you know, first of all, the draft is incredibly important. I don't want to downplay the draft. But when you look at a general manager, their job is so much more than just the draft. And when you look at the situation that, that Reggie McKenzie inherited, one of the worst rosters in the league, a salary cap situation that, that most people compare or said was not comparable to anything in the history of the league. It was so screwed up. And in six years, he's turned it around to a point where there were people talking about this roster as a, as a Super Bowl contender this past offseason. Um, so, you know, I, I think that you can't, underestimate the things he's done in terms of managing the seller cap and, and giving fluidity. Like we'll see again this off season, the Raiders have a bunch of moves they can make where they can cut players, free up a bunch of cap space. And if they want, they can go in the free agency. They can sign Khalil Mack and still go in the free agency and sign a bunch of new players on defense. If they want those kinds of things and his ability to work free agency agency, I think has been incredibly important. You know, he built that offensive line that that was one of the best in the league before they decided to go to the zone blocking scheme. Um, you know, he did a lot of work through free agency because they had to, they couldn't wait for pure draft results. And so while, yeah, he's had some missteps in the draft, I think you're going to have be hard pressed to find a general manager who doesn't is probably the most inexact science in all of sports trying to pick who is going to be successful in the NFL. And I think he's also clearly had a lot of good results from the draft. I mean, you know, Gabe Jackson, Derek Carr, Khalil Mack, you know, these are guys who, who are, are core foundational pieces for a team and getting that many foundational pieces is not that easy to do. I mean, you can look around the league. You can even look in the history of the Raiders. How many years did the Raiders have top draft picks and they just squandered them? You know, they failed to build those foundational pieces and McKenzie has gotten them. And so, you know, is he, you know, elite best GM in the world? No. Is he a guy who, who um, the Raiders should be considering moving on from? I don't believe so. I think he's done a really good job in Oakland. You know, you bring up uh, Derek Carr, and on the final you know point I'll bring up, uh, John Gruden's specialty his whole career or you know what has been known for with quarterbacks is taking that veteran and just molding him to his offense. Uh, he's, he, I guess the knock on him is he can't uh, raise or he can't tutor young quarterbacks. It's almost like he doesn't have the patience for them. Do you think with the way Derek Carr played this past year, which was almost you wanted to vomit and cry, uh, if Carr continues this regression, I guess, that Gruden has no problem just bench and saying, you know what, give me a veteran. I'm going to win with a veteran and we'll just build a defense like we did in with the Buccaneers. Yeah, you know, I think John Gruden, I don't care who you are. I think John Gruden is going to want things done his way and he has no problem moving on from anyone. That being said, I think he really does like what he has in Derek Carr. I think a lot of people have said this already. You know, Rich Gannon aside, he hasn't had a quarterback with the talent of Derek Carr. And you could argue that Derek Carr is more physically talented than Rich Gannon. Though Rich Gannon has had more success and, and proved himself in the league more than Derek Carr has up to this point. You could argue this is the best quarterback 
um, you know, physically gift wise that John Gruden's ever had the opportunity to work with. You know, the one thing that I will say about, you know, I, I've been critical about his years in Tampa Bay after the Super Bowl. The one thing that's worth noting is that when Tampa Bay got John Gruden, they gave up two first round picks, two second round picks and, and uh, cash or something. And so they kind of crippled his ability to find that next quarterback because it's not like he was working with a, a great young quarterback when he got there. And so, you know, that needs to be considered, too, is the fact that he, he wasn't like he had these great prospects to work with. Um, Chris Sims was probably the best prospect he had to work with while he was in Tampa Bay. And that's not an amazing prospect, you know, otherwise he was working with guys like Jeff Garcia, Reedreds. And so, you know, do I think they'd be willing to move on from Carr? Yeah. But I also think that his goal is to, to get Carr to the point where he was in 2016. And I think that's a reason why he brought in Greg Olson, a guy who's worked with Carr before and a guy who I think has a little bit of a softer touch than Gruden. So it's that nice kind of balance because Gruden's going to be in your face, cursing you out, yelling at you. Olson's going to take you to the side and say, all right, well, let me, let me translate for you as to what you need to do now, uh, now that he's done yelling. You know what I mean? And so um, yeah. I really do think that Gruden, Gruden's game plan is to work with Carr and to get him back to where he was because I think he realizes – Carr's the best quarterback he's ever had the opportunity to work with in terms of a pure, a pure physical, um, you know, tool aspect of it. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about Derek this upcoming season. Uh, he's going to have that additional pressure of saying, okay, it's no longer Todd Downing's. We can't blame the Todd Downing's of the world. Uh, I have a premier offensive guru. I have you know, an offense that should suit me. If if something goes wrong, it's clearly going to be on my shoulders. Am I going to be able to handle that? Uh, you know, I hope he does. That's, you know, I hope he does. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you're right. It's going to be a very big test for Derek Carr because, you know, going back to Olsen, Olsen was down in, in, in LA with the Rams when they resurrected uh, uh, Jared Goff who looked like he was a first-round bust, and now he's, he was the signal caller of one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL this past season. And so I think, you know, it, it, he's being put in the position to succeed. He's got a guy in John Gruden who's known as a quarterback guru, a guy in Greg Olson he's worked with before in respects, who also has had very good success working with quarterbacks. He's giving being given the opportunity to succeed, and and if he isn't able to, to, to grab that opportunity and ride with it, then clearly there's an issue. But, you know, I, I do have faith that he'll be able to and that this is probably the best thing to happen for Derek Carr. Uh, James, I appreciate it. I know you got to head out to the strip club. Keep doing what you're doing <laughs> with Black Cold Banter. We all love that shit. You know, tell Q he said, what's up? I'll tell uh, your old girl Amy what's up, and, uh, you know, we'll move from there. <laughs> yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, man. All I'm going to say is look out below. Those bombs were, were dropping furiously. I want to thank James once again for coming on the podcast. Check him out on Twitter, at Raiders Reporter. Check out the Black Hole Banter. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher. Even go to their uh, Twitter at Black Hole Banter. Uh, can't thank him enough. The bombs are going off like crazy. Raider Nation, I'm hype. You're hype. I think it's a great thing what's going on. I'll see you guys on the flip side. Also, check out that OnlyOneNation.com article at OnlyTheNumberOneNation.com.